you're the police, where are your badges? Badges? We ain't got no badges. We don't need no badges. I don't have to show you any stinking badges. TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. This is Gary Mans. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Happy Friday to you. We hope this is going to be the start of a great weekend in your life. Still early in 2024. And we hope to get people powered up and fully aligned with their highest intentions for this year. Let's say hello to bad boy Benny Mathers. He's always in alignment. How you do? You don't look particularly misaligned today, no, Benny. I, I'm totally fine. Perfect because it's snowing. Finally. Oh, really? My dreams came true just a little late. I mean, it's past Christmas and past New Year's and past my birthday, but that's all right. It's here. Wow. <laughs> this is the second time today someone has shown me snow. Right. The first time was the blizzard in Chicago. I have a girlfriend that's sitting with about eight inches of snow right wow. now. Wow. I, I would only hope that here, but it would just cause even more of a hysteria right. around here. So. Right. Oh, I remember living in Seattle mm-hmm. with the snow and sliding down the hills for uh, anybody outside the area, which I think we have one or two listeners outside Seattle. Uh, Seattle is on seven hills. Yeah. And those hills become treacherous in the ice and snow. Yeah, we're not just getting to our apartment was a big challenge. Yeah, the city's not really designed appropriately for getting around conveniently or efficiently. So, well, thanks to platforms like Zoom that you guys are uh, calling in on from Florida, it works for calling into work. So, fortunately, it does. I don't have it that does. availability. I still have to get here, but that's okay. Oh, of course you do. Of I should get paid extra do. for that. Yeah. And you have to <laughs> climb some gradient to do that, I mean, oh, where yeah. you're situated is on a hill itself. Yeah, ah, you know, I've been station, doing nah, the station. The station is on a hill, unless you've got <laughs> somebody with a, a tow rope who's pulling you up. Oh, that'd be great. You make it sound <laughs> like I have to climb all the way up to the the tower itself to like tra- transmit your guys' signal. I don't have to go that high, but yeah, we do okay up here. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great. We miss being in the studio because that that's always a lot of fun. So. Today we have somebody very special, very near and dear to us, who is, in my own term, a rabbinical philosopher. I don't know if he has a rabbinical degree. He talks like he does, and he certainly talks like a warm, compassionate philosopher. He wrote a wonderful book as well, and we can't wait to get started in a conversation with this gentleman. We we have talked to him. This is his eighth visit with us today <laughs> since 2019. The book was actually written in 2018, but you can mine it so often and come up with new things every time you look at it. And I have said before, and I'll probably say it again before the end of the hour, it makes a wonderful gift book. It is a beautiful, beautiful book with mosaic pictures throughout. It's black and white. It has some heft to it. You would be very proud to either give it or receive it. And so even all these years later, I'm saying go buy the book because I think you would be happy to have it in your library. When I have introduced the author before, Daniel Bruce Levin, I have shortened his bio for us because we like to do really short bios 
It's like two, three sentences, bring them on, get to talking. And I said, I'm going to do something we've never done before in eight, seven other visits. And that is, I'm going to read the long version uh, for his bio. And that's a story in itself that is going to give you a good foundation for our conversation today. So if that's okay with you, Gary, go for it. I'm going for it about the author. Daniel Levin lost his parents as a boy two years apart on the same day and only realized while writing the mosaic that he has spent his whole life searching for the place the adults called heaven. He thought he had found this heaven when his uncle, who started a company that was a household name, saw in him the potential to one day run it and offered him the chance to start at the bottom and work his way to the top. But as generous as his uncle's offer was, Levin soon realized it was not the heaven he was looking to find. Levin was the prodigy of the man who founded organizational psychology, and he wanted Levin to help him develop and grow it. But once again, he saw the answers he sought were not there. He has hitchhiked around the world, started businesses, grown businesses, and lost a business too. He donated all of his money to the poor, thinking their need was greater than his. His life has been a mix of amazing highs and tumultuous lows. He has traveled to many different countries and dined with the richest of the rich and sat on the street corners with the poorest of the poor. All the while, he has observed that no matter what country people come from or where they are economically, no matter what color their skin or what religion they practice, we are all the same. We want to be loved and accepted, listened to and understood, acknowledged and validated. Levin finally found his heaven in his connection to the mosaic. He speaks of this in his workshops, retreats, online courses, and mosaic coaching. He hopes you will join him on his mission to reconnect a disconnected world. And so for the eighth time, we want to welcome to Manson Mitch, uh, Mitchell, Daniel Bruce Levin. Good to have you with us today, Danny. Thank you so much. I I have obviously heard and written that introduction, but listening to it back, I have to admit my mouth was a little bit open because um, it's really interesting as we get older to have somebody read back to you the the life that you've led. Yes, I just had this beautiful smile on my face because I'm I'm so happy to have that be my life story. Thank you for sharing that with me. You are quite welcome. I wanted to do that today particularly because um, I experienced the death of one of my cousins this week. I'm sorry. And, and so that has been with me and in experiencing that, and he was my age, and in experiencing that, I looked at the mosaic with a different set of eyes today 
because it is the story of all of our lives. And it's one of the reasons I tell people to please go out and get this book is because it is the story of all of our lives. And, you know, it's it's not just the people that we know and we've established patterns of conversations with. It's the people we we meet along the way and the difference they make for us even when the encounters are very brief. Yeah, it's, again, thank you for the generosity of your spirit to say such beautiful words. And uh, I'm very deeply touched by your kindness. Um, I think I found in the life that I've lived that some of the most beautiful moments are some of the most simple. And we never know when that little touch is going to come that will allow for me at least I, I i've watched it happen so often that i that i've walked into situations that i didn't think were anything special and i've just either glanced into the eyes of somebody or had a short interaction or sat for a long time with them and i've walked away completely changed um, and I don't know what it is, really. I don't know how it's possible to feel completely changed by the encounter of a stranger. But I think the more that I open up to the world, the more that I see that I was thinking about this this morning, really, even that every single moment is a gift to me from my creator. And in that gift, there is an intention that the creator is trying to share with me. And most of the time, don't get me wrong, most of the time I just scan over it and, you know, forget about the fact that any of it happens. But occasionally when I just take a moment and sit and say, wow, what, what actually just happened right here? How did I have the blessing to be able to sit with this complete stranger? And be able to feel their heart holding my heart, their arms holding my arms. And um... one of those types of encounters in from your book, The Mosaic, was when you were you met and spoke with a road worker who then takes you, or the, the subject person whose name is Mo takes Mo to a juice man and Mo observes this juice man deal, selling his juices from his cart one person after another after another and he says to the juice man I saw that no matter how a person came to you they left happier yeah I I knew a woman once who said to me in the normal course of conversation I would like to be with people in such a way that they feel better about themselves after they were with me than before they were with me. Beautiful. And I was reminded about that when I read that in your book. I saw that no matter how a person came to you, they left happier. We can be the observer of that type of interaction that fundamentally changes our thinking. We can also choose to be that person. Yes. 
And so I guess the question that just sits waiting to be asked is how do we do that? Like, how do we become that person that is so full of love, so full of, of kindness, that even the person that brushes along them, brushes by them on the street, who doesn't say anything to them, has the opportunity just in the mere touch of a shoulder or just glances as someone walks by to feel completely uplifted. And I know that's happened for me with people that I've met. Um, many of them have, have been very wise people, but some of them have been the poorest of the poor. People that you wouldn't expect. People that most people pass by and think they have no, no value. There's nothing that, why would I spend even a moment with them? Because they have no value to offer me. But I found that when I sit with just about anybody, and I open my heart, and I allow my heart to hold the heart of another, and to be held by the heart of another, the, um, the experience is nothing short of being made love to. In, a, in, in my spirit, in my body, I mean, I'm not physically, I'm not sitting there having sex with them. That's not what I'm talking about. But there is an experience that is so, when two, when two things become one, when, when two people allow themselves to melt into the hearts of each other, and their two hearts become the heart, one loving heart of, that exists, that's all that really exists. How do we walk away from that not completely touched, not completely um, opened up, not completely mystified by the love that is possible? And especially in a world today where that's not the way most people interact. Even though more and more it's happening, but still, we have to know that it's possible. And when we know that it's possible, then we can decide, do we want to live that possibility or not? And that's, to me, the beauty of the life that I've chosen to live. To let people know that this experience that I've been given is not just for me. It, it would be a waste of time if it was just for me. I mean, I would be happy, of course. That's a nice thing to have. But it's not, it's not anything to do with who I am. It's who we are, and how do we, how do we open ourselves up to love and be loved, to accept each other, to see and acknowledge each other, and to really listen and hear each other. The, when it comes down to it, my whole practice comes down to three basic principles. To love and accept, to listen and hear, and to see and acknowledge. And the more that I can do just those three absolutely simple things, the more my life is completely changed. And to a certain degree, those who interact with me's lives are changed too. You can see where sometimes people are not seeing and hearing and loving and accepting people the way they are, they're talking so much that they're they're not stopping to have that experience. 
And I know any time that I've gone beyond the superficial, you know, you you find um, somebody who's lived a life. Yeah. You know, it doesn't look like that if your interaction is brief and maybe you're annoyed or frustrated or angry or upset. But in those interactions where you take the extra couple of minutes to actually see and hear them, it's it's a very different experience. You said a few moments ago that you think there's more of this going on. And I'm glad that you said that because I, I didn't prompt you to say it. But increasingly, Gary and I are hearing this from more guests that we are bringing on our radio show. Have we actually hit the bottom and we can't, we don't recognize it until we're further from the bottom, but we are hearing about people's good interactions, not hate-filled, do kindnesses that are being done for other people. And something that seems to be more positive coming about. It's just a feeling that I have now. And I'm pointing to little things here and there where it's showing up. I'm, I'm, that's lovely. And I, I, I support that. And I hope that's true. Um, but I'm more interested in how we do that like helping people to get to that place where that becomes the reality rather than the reality of looking at the world and seeing all the faults that are in it. And, and really, it might sound so um, self-occupied, but I honestly believe that the more we grow as individuals, the more our ability to see the world grows as well. And so I believe that process is an internal process, first of all, because there's so, I've lived so much of my life thinking I could do better, I should do better, I need to be better, I need to ha do more. What I'm doing isn't good enough. I want to be out there, I want to, you know, make an impact. And more and more as I've gotten older, that thought has subsided quite a bit. More and more what I realize is my life is an internal game. And the more that I can be a loving, caring, compassionate, warm human being, starting with myself, that I really like love myself and really um, honor myself. And I'm not, I, I, I'm still overweight. I'm still, I still have all sorts of things to go on. So I don't want to appear to be anything more than I am. I, I often say, I just think we're all bozos on the bus trying to get home. <laughs> but, but along the way, we, we have the, I have the opportunity to learn so many things. And in learning those things, I have the chance each time to say, how do I receive this? How do I receive another person into my life? And even when someone is just talking incessantly like I am right now, um, I'll listen with my ears, but my heart will be absorbed in prayer. And I'll just pray, 
let them feel the love of my heart. No matter what, let them just feel loved and adored, listened to and heard, and seen and acknowledged. That's all I have to do to show up. And that is more than enough for most anybody you will meet, especially the part, Daniel, about feeling heard, feeling that, that you you get them, that you are paying attention to them. And that yeah. doesn't mean that people, though it's common enough, do crave attention, but I don't mean it in that sense. To know that you have been heard is a tremendous compliment to pay to another human being. And I have found in reading books of various kinds that and it was kind of a surprise because I thought, oh, I'm the only one that does this. And then I find out I'm not. By just reading this, I realize this happens to other people too. In fact, it happens to almost everybody. We are so busy contemplating our response to what somebody is saying, which we catch only in dribs and drabs, that we're not really hearing them. We're not really listening. We're anticipating an opening in a conversation that allows us to say the next thing we want to say rather than genuinely hearing another person. And that relatively rare individual who pays attention, who really seeks to understand another with compassion and with empathy is a very special human being indeed. Yeah, I, perhaps it's become special. I, I, I so appreciate what you're saying. And thank you for for expressing it so beautifully. Um, and there's a part of me, I guess there's this hopeful um, sort of mystical side of me that hopes that that's not as exceptional as we as we, as it seems to be. That we all have the capacity, really, very easily, to just take a moment and listen because, like, I know how good I feel when someone actually listens to me and gets me, when someone actually sees me and, and says, Danny, I see you and I acknowledge you and I, I, I listened to what you said and I really heard it. I may or may not agree, but I just want you to know that I heard, I heard you. And I know how good that makes me feel when they say, I, I love and accept you, even with all that, even though we're different, I completely love and accept you. And I guess it's because out of selfishness to myself that I realize how good that makes me feel when that happens to me. Why wouldn't I want to give that to somebody else? Why wouldn't I want to have that environment, that's, hold the space for people to walk into that space and feel like a car wash, that it's all, they're all just completely washed in the presence of love and acceptance being seen in her and acknowledged and being listened to and heard. And it's not hard. It's not hard, especially when you do so intentionally, because it was an epiphany for me to realize that as guilty as I felt for not paying attention to another, and it can be anyone, not just those who are especially dear to me, but to anyone I might meet, to realize by reading the words of an author that we humans tend to, and I'm paraphrasing, we humans tend to think about what we're going to say next and read instead of really listening to the other person while they are talking. 
and feeling empathy for them, feeling compassion for them. I felt, wow, I fall really short of the mark, but I knew that going into reading the book. And then I find out that this is almost a universal human characteristic. It is, it is characteristic for human beings to fail to pay attention. So it's something that anyone can work on and ideally should work on. It, there's some comfort in knowing that when you struggle with feelings of guilt, feeling that you're not paying enough attention to other people, that most everyone else struggles with that as well. Now, maybe some don't care. Maybe it is all about them. That happens too. But I, it just was a great relief to me to realize that in not paying attention, I was like a heck of a lot of other people in that regard. Yeah. Uh, and it it doesn't take a lot to shift that. I mean, really, you said it so beautifully. It's in not paying attention, that's what happens. So then the obvious question comes, is what would happen if I started to pay attention? What would happen if my attention to the conversation were greater than my need to contribute to it? And how would my contribution change if I actually paid attention to what the conversation was saying rather than my frustration or my need to say what I feel I have to say, be, be listened to and heard? Like the beauty of those three simple things that I'm, that I'm offering is when that backdrop exists, there's no need to push into it something that we think we need to say because the environment just draws that out of us. And, and that the space that we're holding holds that space where people go, wow, I feel, I feel like I can say anything to you. And I'm sure you've had the same, same statements. I'm sure you've had people come and say, boy, I'm telling you things in this, in, in this first conversation with you that I haven't even shared with my closest friends. And, and that's because the space is there for them not to be judged, not to be, not to be um, looked down upon, but to just share who they are. And that is mosaic. It's when two pieces connect and become one piece. And, those two, and that one piece of those two pieces connects to hundreds of pieces, to thousands of pieces. And my dream is one day that that will be our reality, that we will create a world of connection rather than disconnection. And in that, we will naturally be able to experience and feel and understand and hear and see each other in ways that we haven't when we're separated and we have walls up around us. I'm taking a humanistic perspective when I respond to you, Daniel, by saying, when that day that you just so eloquently described, that's when Messiah comes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And yeah, it doesn't yeah. have to be in the person of an individual who comes to save, in a sense, all of us, to make us whole. The world becomes whole as we become whole. And when that reaches a tipping point, what a glorious world awaits us. Yeah, and... and you know, the beauty to me is that we actually believe that. And we actually know that will happen. 
And the only thing holding me back from the what I know will happen is my cooperation with it. And I can I can choose in any moment of time to say, rather than living a life where I want to find fault with the world or find differences to it, I'm going to cooperate with however this conversation goes. I have no agenda. I'm not trying to push something down your throat. I have no desire to teach you or to or or to give you anything. I just have a desire to love you. And in my desire to love you, love happens. And and that love opens up the the whole world to an experience that I mean we all know what we feel like when we feel love. We're open versus when we feel not loved, when we're shut down. And I've walked into a room, you know, sometimes, and I don't get me wrong, this is not who I am on a daily basis. I wish it was. But I've walked into rooms where there's complete and utter disagreement, where people are yelling at each other, where people are in, 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 in complete disharmony with one another. And I've said, can I have just a moment of your time? And they said, okay. And I didn't do anything. I just created space so that the argument didn't have to be the argument anymore. I said, I just want to shift the energy a little bit. And what would happen if we just sat for a few moments right now and just sent each other love? Sent each other the desire to be heard and to be listened to. What would happen for us? And I've been shocked because people have actually done it. And in doing it, they say, wow, like I feel like this seismic shift just happened. I don't really know what just happened here. But we were just fighting and screaming with each other. And now we're like suddenly listening to each other and loving each other. Love is so, I hate to say it because it sounds so you know, airy-fairy. But love is such a powerful, powerful force. And I can only ask for you to, to test it in yourself, in your experience of life to date. What do you feel when you feel completely loved? Have you ever felt completely loved? What do you feel like when you are unconditionally loved, where no matter what you do, you're loved? I have, a, I have the honor of having a 34-year-old developmentally delayed daughter. Her ways are not the ways of anybody else in this world. So often, people want to fix her and change her and, and sort of, um, make her different. And I did too. In the early years, I tried to say, no, Elisa, we can't do that. You know, let's let's be like this. We're going into this space. None of it worked. Finally, I looked at her and I said, Elisa, you've been given to me to teach me how to love you without condition. If you feel like screaming, scream. If you want a tantrum, tantrum. If you want to love, love. If you want to be happy, be happy. If you want to cry, cry. I am here for you. And I promise you, 
I will do my best in every single moment to love you. I will fall short for sure, but I will do my best to love you as you are in every moment. I don't think it will come as a surprise to anyone when I say to you that she no longer felt the desire or the need to yell and tantrum and scream and attack. Mm -hmm. There was nothing, there was no opposition. And so I thought if a developmentally delayed kid can experience that reality in the presence of that presence, Surely, those of us who aren't developmentally delayed can do it too. And so that became the basis of the life that I chose to live. To just give that feeling of loving and accepting, listening and hearing, and seeing and acknowledging. Simple things. It's not hard. We are talking with Daniel Bruce Levin, author of The Mosaic. We are Manson Mitchell, and fortunately, there is more time still to come in the presence of this very wise man. Give us a couple of minutes, and we will be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine, with all your itinerary, we could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please, get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world-famed, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is manceandmitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Daniel Bruce Levin, author of The Mosaic, with insights from his book for turning your affirmations into practical ways for more positive living. On Saturday, Bridget Dengel Gaspard leads us to the right and perfect word to adopt for 2024. What one word would make all the difference in your life? Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Alternative Talk 1150, talk radio for the body, mind, and soul. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our conversation with Daniel Bruce Levin, author of The Mosaic. 
not a new book, came out in 2018. It's just a book that is a wonderful book to own. It's about a journey of a man. Starts out with the with Mo's parents dying. He gets on a journey. He meets all kinds of people. An allegory for our times when you see all the people he meets and all the things that he learns along the way. Danny, if people would like to get your book or connect with you in some way, what is the best way for them to do that? Uh, they can go to one of two websites, which is probably the easiest, danielbrucelevin.com or themosaiconline.com. Um, I'm, all, I'm on all the social media places, so I'm sure we can have that listed in the show notes. So, um, But I'm very available. Uh, the the life that I've chosen to live is the life of being with people, not being removed from people. And so the more that I can be with people and just, um, what is it I really do? I think when it boils down to it, I don't have an agenda of who I want you to be. I'm not trying to teach you anything. I'm not trying to um, make you something else. I simply want to love and accept you exactly as you are. And I want to listen to you and hear what it is you want to say. And I want to see and acknowledge you. And I, I, I've said it now probably three or four times, and I, I sort of feel like, you know, you know, dude, you know, just take it easy. You don't have to. But I can't overemphasize how radically important those three things are and how how much I see it missing in the world at large. And when we feel those three things, life changes. So I think you're a man for the right times, as we were saying, you know, right before the break, it, it seems as though in this um, age of Aquarius, which is uh, in process and coming upon us, that there, there are more people who have wisdom and love available to share. And um, it might seem like there's very few people doing it, but I think there are more and more people doing that at this time. And you're just leading the parade. You got you got the baton out and you're leading the parade. So there you go. Thank I I I uh I told the, I told you this is your eighth time on our show. And I, I read that complete more complete about the author than I did the first seven times. There's also something interesting when I was getting ready for today's interview. I told Gary, I think. I understood the mosaic in a very different way than I did the previous seven times. And, and that is having to do with um, something that you wrote when Mo met the street artist and the street artist said, most only see broken pieces. Mm. I, I told you at the outset of the show that during this week, uh, one of my cousins passed away and he had a lot of broken pieces in his life. Yeah. 
And what I, what I got today was that the whole of a life is made from broken pieces and and those broken pieces are beautiful pieces they have different colors they have different shapes but when you look at the life in its entirety it is a beautiful mosaic yes ma- made up of the broken pieces and there have been tributes coming in to my cousin from family members remembering the really good parts about him not the difficulties of his life but the the joys that he brought to people the good he brought to people the information the love um a life is made up of good and bad positive and negative and and we think that you know we're no good because we're broken people but put all those pieces into a whole life-size mosaic and the mosaic is beautiful. Completely. Um, I would like to, you know, remember those words, write those words down and use it as the way to describe the work that I do, because you just summed it up so exquisitely. Um, broken pieces tell incredible stories. And those pieces, we see them as broken, but they each have the exquisiteness of who they of where they've come from and they bring that exquisiteness it's almost like a i see it differently i don't see that something outside of them has broken them i see that that i have voluntarily allowed myself to just give a portion of these different experiences that then when I put them with the other pieces and I step back, I say, wow, look at the life that I've lived. And all of those pieces hint to something far greater than the piece that just shows up. And that's what makes broken pieces so exquisite. They're a hint of the what, of the life that we have lived. They're not a sadness. They're not something that was taken from us. They can be. We, I, I've had a lot of tragedy in my life, looking back. Um, but when I see those pieces as part of the entirety of the life that I've lived, I can only say I'm very happy and very proud to be able to sit here today with those experiences as my history, those experiences as my classroom, those experiences as my mosaic, and to connect those all together, because I can sit with people that are suffering, and I know they're suffering. I can sit with people that are hungry, and I know they're hungry. I can sit with people that are wealthy, and I know their wealth. I can sit with people that have deep love in their hearts, and I know their love, because it's been given to me in little bite-sized portions that we call broken pieces. Daniel, I think one of the the things I get from the mosaic and from listening to you talk is that there is an innate 
value, if not virtue, in human brokenness. That a mosaic exists because there are pieces that come together in a miraculous way. And they create an individual life story so that, like fingerprints and snowflakes, none of us are exactly alike. What was it? Emerson said something about, you know, if two of you existed what, exactly as you are, one of you would be unnecessary. I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, there is a reason for you and me and Suzanne and Benny and everybody listening. There is a reason for us to exist as we are and as we do at this time in human history. And we may spend a lifetime introspectively wondering what that might mean. And I'm not knocking it. That's a way of thinking about life and particularly about your life. But what does our brokenness say about the patterns of life in general, about the nature of life itself? So I, I love that. And and my perspective is that every single thing that happens, even though I don't have the mind to understand it or the width of spirit to really embrace it on a moment-to-moment basis, every single thing that happens is a gift given to me the good, the bad, the beautiful, the ugly. You know, I was devastated when I had my daughter and we found out she was developmentally delayed. But when I look back now, I don't, th- and I say this to her all the time, I could never ever dream of having a daughter more beautiful, more special to me than you. Because what the experience of her has given me has been so rich and so full and it's opened my heart to places that I never even knew existed. And, and so that I'm not saying this. So someone will look at me and say, Oh, isn't, isn't he a nice guy? I'm saying it because I believe that every single moment is, is a gift. And when we accept the moments that happen to us, good and bad, beautiful and ugly, and we are in, are in gratitude to them. And we really say thank you. That it opens up a doorway, for me at least, where I can say, now I know what love is. Because I love, I love everything about this life that is in front of me. And again, don't make me in, don't, I don't want you to believe that I'm something greater than I am because I fail miserably at doing that. But the fact for me that I remember it even once in a while, I'm thrilled with because it changes the perspective of everything. It changes the perspective of how I look at famine, famine, how I look at war, how I look at disagreement, how I look at anger, how I look at, at, at people that hurt each other. When I understand that my job is only one thing and one thing only, to just hold the space where I say to you, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, I love and accept you. I listen to you and I hear you and I see you and I acknowledge you. 
and at least for me, in the times that I've done that, both to myself and with other people, the desire to continue to do those actions ceases. Because if you've heard me when I speak, I don't need to yell. If you hear me when I yell, I don't need to tantrum. If you hear me when I tantrum, I don't need to attack. And my daughter showed me that. If I just say, if she says something to me and I say, Alisa, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be with that until I can understand it. Just keep, like, say it. Don't even say it with your mouth. Say it with your mind. Say it with your heart. Figure out how to get it to me. Because I, you don't need, I want to listen to you. I want to see you. I want to acknowledge you. I want to love you. Um, and all I can tell you is today, she's a very different woman than she was five years ago. And I'm so proud of her because she has so much going against her. It's Life is so difficult for her. And it gives me such hope, again, because if that can happen for her, who has most of the cards stacked up against her, it certainly can happen for you and me because we don't have all the cards stacked up against us. We might feel occasionally that we do, but I guarantee you we do not. And so, if there was one thing that people would hear through my contribution here today, it's what I want to hear myself. Love and accept, listen and hear, and see and acknowledge the three most beautiful practices I can do. We can do. The world can do. Daniel, do you get invited to speak at, at venues where spirituality is like the air people breathe? I could see you being a big hit at synagogues, for example, or any church, New Thought churches, just places where people take their spiritual path seriously, even intimately. I'm sure they would love to hear your message and interact with you. Yes, I, I used to more. You know, now I've become a little bit older. My body doesn't function as well as it does. You know, so part of the part of the process that I'm talking about here, I'm trying to listen in that way to my body, to hear what my body is really trying to say to me because I have pains all through my body. I have, you know, situations that, that I, I don't have any, anything clinically wrong with me, but I just, it's, it's hard to move around. Um, but I really would love to do more of that. I've sort of pulled back from it. I used to do a lot in my uh, five, 10 years ago, but who I am today is not who I was five or 10 years ago. So if anybody is listening, who has an opportunity for that. Um, and we can do it online. We can do it in person. doesn't matter. Uh, I would love, love, love to do that. Thank you for your kind words in that regard. Oh, you're quite welcome. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I feel very complete about the hour. We still have two minutes to go. Well, you know, there, there's something to be said. There's a lot of good to be said about Daniel Bruce Levin and his book, The Mosaic. It's okay to reach the point in your life and to acknowledge it, that 
even though when we were younger, we thought we could set the world on fire, inevitably we reach that stage of life where we realize we're running out of matches. <laughs> and that's yeah. okay. And, and and I believe the part of what changed for me is I believe the world is already on fire. It's just me walking into that fire and acknowledging that and, and choosing to be a part of it. Like, I have choices that I can make every single day. And those choices are to either embrace the beauty of this world or to embrace the ugliness of this world. And I do an okay job sometimes. You know, and a lot of times it's like 60, 40, 75, 25. But what the question I continually ask myself, especially as the new year happens, is what's holding me back from completely jumping in and just being with what is? What is is already here. It's beautiful. Even in the ugliest of situations, there is something exquisitely beautiful. That's why I like the yin-yang. You know, in that, in that white space, there's that black dot. And in that black space, there's that white dot. Well, it's easy to see the white or black space. What happens if I lived in that dot? That's what I really have I've spent my life looking at. Because it's, it's there. Daniel Bruce Levin, thank you for being with us for time number eight. We look forward to number nine and just want to wish you a wonderful, wonderful 2024 with every possible blessing. Thank you. And mirror right back to you. All right. It's such an honor to see you and be with you. Thank you again for having me. All right. Stay tuned for Robin Alexis coming up next. And at one o'clock Pacific time, American Road Trip Talk with host Gary Mance. Who have you got on today? I have on Matt Shea, and we're going to be talking about vintage cafes in Western Washington. Okay. Thank you so much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. We wish you the best this weekend and this year. We'll be back tomorrow, 10 a.m. Pacific, right here on AM 1150 Seattle.